You're listening to the 100% Elite Podcast. Welcome to 100% Elite. I am your host, Jeff Engler, and this is episode 30. Now, I'm joined here today with the official co-host of 100% Elite, Mr. Zach Preston, a.k.a. Freshly Squeezed Orange Zackety. What is up, my guy? Hello, Jeffrey. Good to be back here with you. And I'm your official co-host now, the Freshly Squeezed Orange Zackety, here to talk to you about another great week of AEW content. What's up, Jeff? Oh man, it has been uh, Fighter Fest um, Part Two was uh, this week. It was a great week of dark. Also, we got some uh, new appearances of some new talent that were awesome. But before we get into those segments, let's get into some news. The first bit of news that I have is AEW has already been nominated for an Emmy this year, along with SmackDown and Raw. Um, They've been on TV for less than a year. It uh, started in October. Uh, SmackDown and Raw have been on TV for a million years. So uh, good on AEW for already pulling out uh, a great um, accomplishment uh, uh, if they win. Uh, they've only been nominated. So um, what do you got there, Zach? Yeah, man. Um, this week, uh, EC3 uh, was doing a little Q&A on Facebook book live uh and when being asked about being the mystery man uh in the impact slam anniversary man event he said july 18th is a great day for a fight and i will fight july 18th so that's leading to some speculation that uh ec3 will show up at slam anniversary next saturday on the 18th i'm also a lot of speculation that rusev is also going to show up on saturday the 18th um because he will not confirm or deny that um and outside of the news, I do just want to give a shout out to uh, JPW Dominion this week or this weekend. Uh, I know people have some feelings about NJPW as a brand, but there's some great matches that are going to be happening this week. Any good wrestling fan, you should try to catch that if you can. Yeah, great, man. Uh, also, July 18th is when all those WWE wrestlers who were released uh, are able to wrestle in other companies. So, um might be a lot of uh, people either going to be on that Impact show or going to be going to AEW or maybe going to be doing some independent uh, bookings. Uh, I know Matt Cardona and Brian Myers, the Prince of Queens, um, are you know going to be able to compete after that also. So they're really excited about it. I'm hoping uh, – I know you, you're not big on uh, old Zack Ryder or Matt Cardona now – I hope he shows up for that TNT challenge, man. He's a he's a good worker. It would be a great match. Him and Cody have worked a lot. Uh, they're actually real friends. Uh, Brian Myers is a good worker, also. So um, I'm hoping for big things for those guys. I, I really am rooting for them. So uh, that's pretty much much like it on the news. I mean, we could talk about ratings, but you know, NXT barely won with like 40k, um, and we had uh, the ratings uh, or the demos. We we won every every demo besides the fifty plus. So there's a lot of old old men still watching, uh, or maybe women too. Old old people watching SmackDown and Raw, um, which I don't know what they're watching. I I just wish 
there would be more eyes on Wednesday nights, even if it was just boosting uh, NXT and AEW. Uh, I think those are definitely the best wrestling products out there. Um, you know, I don't watch much of NXT, but I hear great things. I, I check up on clips because there are some people there that I do like and I do enjoy watching them, but I'm not going to give them my my ratings each week. <laughs> They're not going to get my uh, oh, DVRs. we all know <laughs> nothing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's it with the news. Uh, let's get right into dark. Uh, dark this week was actually really great. Some some good matches. Um, there were some matches that were really like unnecessary in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so the first match on dark this week was by far i think the best match in the whole thing uh it was brian pillman jr versus sean spears um brian pillman jr man he looked great great physique the he said he bought brand new gear for dark he had the video guy uh, uh bring up some new new stuff for him he got a new entrance music uh I mean, he's fresh, uh, ready to go. He said he wanted to look great. I listened to a couple of interviews that he was on, and they, I mean, he could have got a jump start right to Dynamite, and he said he wanted to do it uh, from the ground up. He wants to be built just like everybody else. Uh, I mean, I think that's great. I think uh, some of these guys get tossed right into the main roster just because their dads were great or something like that, and they don't really get the experience, and it kind of... Um, I don't know. It's like being shot out of a cannon and not having a landing, uh, not having a safety net. Because once people see the flaws in you, they um, don't unsee them. So it's great on him that he's letting himself get being built from the ground up like that. He's only been in the business three years. Um, so it's, I mean, this was a really great match, him and Sean Spears. I mean, what a, what a guy to start off on dynamite with or dark, uh, with Sean Spears, real old school worker. He's hitting his stride, man. He really has a lot of potential that has still been untapped. I mean, we had a huge drop kick from Brian Pillman Jr. We had huge chops from both of them. Um, I really liked this match, man. It was great, straightforward. Uh, you know, uh, Jr. had a, just a, a great little. Uh, I mean, it was like old school, new new school, like hybrid. It was really great. Uh, you know, Sean Spears hitting the C4 for the win, going back and getting that, uh, I don't know if it's like a piece of lead for the glove and just like straight palming him in the face. Um, great little match. I liked it. Continuing this story with the black glove. Uh, what did you think about this, man? I love the match. Um, obviously, uh, most of you, most of you who have been following AEW since the inception is not the first time you've seen Brian Pillman. Of course, he was uh, uh, an entrant into the Battle Royal, the original um, uh, Double or Nothing pay per view. Uh, he looked great here, man. Uh, I'm proud of him. He's a hometown boy for us, you know, from Cincinnati. Still lives in the area, so it's really good to see our hometown represented um, a couple times here in AEW now with Moxley and Pillman. Uh, but to the match, he looked great, man. Uh, I'm really happy. Uh, to see him here in AEW, so young um, and so green, but like you could tell, there's just so much potential there uh, for for greatness, you know. And, and what's the point of going to the main card to get lost in the shuffle? Because he's not ready to compete for a championship yet by any means. So I think this was a great first match. Sean Spears is an awesome worker. That's never been in doubt. Everyone's always known that. Um, 
you know, obviously getting the win here to, to kind of build his storyline, which we both are in agreement that is moving towards uh, modern day four horsemen. Uh, but the interesting thing about Pillman, when you talk about modern day four horsemen, uh, prior to coming to AEW, um, he was part of a faction as the New Era Heart Foundation um, with Teddy Hart and Davey Boy Smith Jr. Uh, and himself, which I thought was uh, really interesting that um, these kind of legacy uh, performers all came together. And who knows, maybe one day you'll see all of them in AEW kind of doing their thing with like the modern day four horsemen and just kind of capitalizing on past successes, but in like a more modern twist, um, you know. Well, we'll, still, we'll see what happens with that, but uh, we, we need to come into agreement here. Are they calling that finisher the C4 or the DVD? Uh, it's a C4. Man, I always thought it was called the DVD. So No, I mean, it's, it's called... I'll take your word for it. It's called the uh, Death Valley Driver when anybody else does it, um, but he calls it the C4. Like, it's, it's his own little special name for it because he's using it as a finish, just like... Um, you know, he's going to keep sharpshooter for the sharpshooter. He's going to make that his, I mean, he literally asked Bret Hart to use it. So, um, that's what, that's what it's going to be. Also, Brian Pillman Jr. was, uh, wrestling for MLW, but, uh, you know, with the COVID thing happening, he kind of sat around and he's like, look, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to start working. You guys aren't running shows. And they kind of just blew him off, took him took him off their roster and so he's like okay i guess uh i guess that means i'm good to go i mean he talked to him and talked to tony khan and they said it's all right so um i don't think he has a contract or anything yet uh we'll see where this goes because obviously he looked incredible so hopefully he does get signed yeah well he yeah hopefully you know and i was gonna add on to that he's not had a quiet year you know he also showed up for iwc in January, showed up again in February and actually uh, won a match that included Lance Archer um, for the uh, in a war of attrition match for the Warrior Wrestling Championship. And actually, uh, the, that championship had been uh, left vacant uh, because the former champion, who happens to be Brian Cage, uh, was injured. So he had to vacate the title, which was eventually by Brian Pillman Jr. Just kind of fun little facts. You know, Lance Archer, like I said, was in that match. Michael Elgin, who we've seen around. Um, just kind of fun how things all tied together, but uh, this is a, if they can, you know, sign Pillman Jr. full time here. That's a that's a huge get for AEW for to help you know just reinforce the future that we already know looks so bright for them. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, so next match was uh, Big Swole versus Rache Chanel. Um, this match was a little weird for me. Uh, we've never seen this Rache Chanel girl. Uh, she's got like this fashionista like type of gear, uh, gimmick kind of thing, and so I, I, Big Swole pulls out this uh, Yellow Rangers gear again, which is my favorite gear that she has. Uh, you know, second being that Storm gear that she has is pretty awesome. Um, but I just think this match went on too long for this new girl who's not signed to get this much offense in this big of a match. I think it should have been a little bit more of a squash match for Swole, especially if she's going to be uh, wrestling again. It seems like uh, since Brit, Brit is out, uh, Statlander's out. I mean, it only leaves Swole, Nyla, Ford, uh, Statlander, or not Statlander, um, Sheeta for like the main talent of this division. It's just kind of, I don't know. 
I did um I did like the headbutt spot that she does and you know she hit the dirty dancing and this girl kind of almost no sold it. She was still standing up. Usually the dirty dancing just lays people out. And it looked like Swole had to pump kick this girl down to the ground and and get to one, two, three. It was uh kind of kind of weird. What do you have on this? I like this match, man. Um, I do agree with you that it went on for too long, but I, uh, though this new girl Chanel did get some offense in, uh, and like you said, a little bit too much offense. I did think the offense that Swole got in was like very impressive, like very ruthless, um, very hard hitting. Uh, and it's really, really the AEW women's division, as much crap as we've been giving it over the weeks is definitely coming along. Um, I think they're starting to put matches on more and give them time. Uh, to look good and build up new characters. And uh, Big Swole is kind of the next example of this. Um, they've really utilized her well while Britt Baker's been out. Um, you know, so most of her matches, uh, the, while the ring work is good, it's obviously uh, building that storyline for their eventual match uh, when Britt Baker comes back. Um, so, yeah, I do think with that said, she should be getting more dominant wins because they're obviously building towards that feud there. Uh, but she did look good on the offense that she did get in. Uh, that blue thunder bomb was very, very impressive, by the way, I will say before that dirty dancing. Um, so all around, uh, big swole look great here. We'll see what this Chanel girl comes in with though, because she didn't look bad either. Um, you know, being her first match on here, I don't know much about her past, but uh, she didn't look too bad here. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely different. Um, I, I just, before they sign this girl, there's like at least five or six other indie girls that I think look way better. Um, one of them was, oh crap, she was she was early on uh, something golden like uh, Chelsea Gort Golden something like that. Um, she looked good, but anyways, Christy Janes looks great. The Kylan King girls like that. Um, you know, definitely deserve a chance. Even that red velvet girl, even though she got smashed in one of these dark matches. Uh, Abaddon, dude. <laughs> Abaddon. Um, you know, I, I just think there's a lot more talent to go around. Um, either way, um, it was all right. Uh, the next little segment on dark, they actually had a promo segment, uh, Brandy and Allie, um, you know, talking with Alex Marvez he Dustin interrupts and tells her, why don't you actually take this time to make this team a good thing and get some wins in? You guys are dominating and don't be the bad guy. And, uh, you know, I Brandy's almost, it's like they're hinting at a women's tag division, but I'm like, dude, get your fucking singles division on, like, in intact and <laughs> have all your talent here or build a fucking roster before you start introducing tag titles. Uh, but then I thought about it, and I'm like, at least there will be two fucking women's matches on these cards now because there will be a women's uh, singles you know title defense and then a women's tag defense it'll it'll give more range for these women to be seen on uh but there's no like definitive women's tag teams it's just kind of is a little weird for me uh i hope they could find something cool with this i don't even know besides wwe if there is any like actual um women's tag teams you have the iconics they were always 
you know, a women's tag team. Um, the Riot Squad, maybe? I don't know who else is actually a tag team and not two women's singles, like, stars put together. The Bellas? I mean, do you have you, any other yeah, ones? Yeah, you have the... Co- yeah, you have the Kabuki Warriors comes to mind. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Them too. That's Kyrie Sane and Asuka together. Um, no, I mean, yeah, you're right. They, But that's how a lot of tag teams start. I mean, frankly, at some point in their career, they were two individuals that just came together as a team. Um, so, I, you know, I hear what you're saying here. Um, and, and I was thinking about that prior to us even talking about this segment was I wonder if they're going to go that route of the women's tag team. But I think what would be um, kind of a better option and, you know, riskier, but I think cool would be doing like a mixed tag championship. And, you know, in a lot of other prom- promotions around the world that are like non United States based, um, you see women and men like wrestle each other all the time. It's like not taboo or anything like that. So I would love to see like a mixed tag championship. Um, I think that would be a little bit edgier. I think that would set them apart. Um, And I think they have the platform to like make that more nationally recognizable, you know? Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, Kenny is a real uh, uh, like big uh, proponent for this. Like he really wants that to happen. Yeah. I mean, he kind of had that spot on the Jericho cruise that was on dark uh, Kip Sabian, Penelope Ford versus Kenny and Riho. Um, I think they could build a great, uh, you know, mixed gendered uh, division. They, I mean, they got so many different people that they could bring in. They could bring in Priscilla Kelly and Darby and Priscilla could be a team. Uh, Big Swole can team up with pretty much anybody on the roster and she would be fine. Um, you know, you could bring Sonny Kiss into this. Um, it, there's so many people on that, like the bottom tier of the, uh, the singles men roster or singles tag roster that could team up and get some more limelight, uh, with this division here. I just don't think Tony Khan is big on it. And I don't think TNT is big on it either. Like, I don't think they want to see like women get beat up by men in a way, which is it's wrestling and it's all performance and stuff like that but even even Kenny has said like you can't just straight up punch a girl in the face it's all got to make sense and it's got to look like you know these it could really you know be a real thing um but who knows who knows where they're going and you're right on this uh you know tag teams usually start off as two single stars i i just mean like um people who seem like their tag like, you know, they like the Young Bucks, they dress the same, FTR, they dress the same, they have the same kind of, uh, you know, work rate, work style, stuff like that. I just don't see anybody in AEW right now that could actually pull that off. But maybe something could be brought around to do that. It, it would be pretty cool. Um, then the next match on <laughs> Dark, um, I literally wrote down, who cares, roll up for the pin, or for the win. Um <laughs> uh, I mean, because Kaz looked great here, but I just can't get over Uncle Fester, man. What did you have on this? Yeah, I saw this match announced, and I was like, "Why? Like, <laughs> we are you trying to fill space? I don't get it." So I think that's in any case. Yeah, I've got no interest in Luther, man. I really, I really don't. Um, yeah, so. and I I know he's a person, and I know he's got feelings, and we should be nice, but I can't. I just don't. I don't. 
I don't understand it. There's so many other places to put people here with Kazarian. Uh, the, I mean, any of these indie guys would have worked. Uh, any of the low card talent that hasn't really had a, a shining spot could have been great here. Um, I just, <laughs> I don't get it. Um, so let's move on. Uh, the next match was Tony Donati, Fabu Andre, uh, Brady Pierce, and Joe Alonzo versus the Butcher and the Blade and the Lucha Bros. Um, they basically beat the fuck out of these guys. Uh, it was just a chance to get Butcher and the Blade and the Lucha Bros. Uh, together to see you know how we can work this thing out getting on the tv uh going against you know ftr and the young bucks and i mean a bunch of huge overhand slaps from uh pentagon uh, which we'll get into that on dynamite um but it was it was kind of nuts at the end uh you know four man um four man like tag team move it was it was pretty nuts uh, they looked great, though. All of them, uh, you know, destroyed another <laughs> jobber. And, yeah, man, it was it was something. Uh, what did you have on this? Um, yeah, uh, a relative sprint of a match of a bunch of nobodies um, to be expected. And this made sense to me. You know, you have history between the Young Bucks and FTR, Um to when FTR was still the revival in WWE. So, you know, they kind of had the built-in backstory about those four being together. And, you know, all of a sudden for Fighter Fest Night 2, we need to care about the team of the Butcher and the Blade and the Lucha Bros. And Lucha Bros, even though they're great, have not been on in a long time um, due to, you know, travel restrictions and stuff. So it made sense to get these guys together for Ash prior to Fighter Fest Night 2. Um, again, just so you can kind of have a visual of what these two teams together look like, give you a semi-reason to care, you know, quick squash, uh, match did what it needed to do. But again, um, not really of interest to me. Yeah, me neither. It was it was cool. I liked watching the Lucha Bros, uh, Butchering the Blade. They're growing on me for sure. I think they're going to be great. Um, oh, well. Next match, uh, Will Hobbs, a big fucking dude versus orange cassidy now i thought this was gonna be you know a cool little match uh i mean orange cassidy really wasn't having it had this leaping elbow strike i don't know if you caught excalibur shouting that and that's the reason why he took off his elbow pad exposing his elbow for this leaping elbow strike (laughs) for what are you saying there jeff (laughs) that i was right (laughs) I was right for the pin, man. <laughs> right, one one uh, one move, and this is done with <laughs> for this win. It kind of made this guy, this indie guy, look kind of bad. But I mean, he probably didn't expect to get smashed in the elbow from Orange Cassidy. Kind of showing his one punch man like powers. I don't know if you know what one punch man is. It's like an anime no. show where the guy's like super strong. Anyways. Um, so what'd you have on this uh, leaping elbow strike for the win? Um, it was really interesting to see the size difference between these two and the smaller guy coming out with one hit. Like the optics of it was like certainly weird. I'm obviously a huge Orange Cassidy fan. And what it did was put over that as a finisher, as being, you know, dominant, as being like, you know, literally the final move before it's over. So uh, in that regard, it sold the finisher 
but just the optics were just a little bit weird. I don't know how they could have pulled that off better. I don't have any, you know, advice on that. I'm just saying that's kind of how I felt about this. But I do like the continuity of the storyline with him wearing the bloody shirt from last week and having the gauze on the ear and everything. They do a really good job of like continuing storylines on AEW. So hats off to that, man. What was that finisher called? Oh, you're talking about the elbow finisher, right? <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. Um, Superman, Superman elbow. <laughs> uh, so the next match was the captain, Sean Dean versus Michael Naka, Naka, Nakazawa. Um, I just don't understand Michael Nakazawa, even though I love saying his name. I don't, I don't know. He's a good wrestler, and he played football uh, over in the UK. So, I mean, he's definitely got a build, but this fuck, this the manable claw with his fucking thong, I don't, it's just gross. It's fucking gross. And to do this to the captain, man, it just made me real sad. <laughs> sad on the inside. Um, I, I think... Out of all the people on the fucking roster to give the captain a win, Michael Nakazawa or Brandon Cutler or Peter Avalon could have been those people. Easily give this guy the win. But they went with uh, the grease man himself. Uh, baby oil, I guess it is. But what would you have on this? No, I am I feel the exact same way as you, dude. I'm really glad you said this. Because I'm sitting here thinking, like, you know, and, and, and not to discredit Michael Nakazawa, He's he's a fine performer, fine wrestler, um, but he's you know Sean Dean has been coming in here week in and week out and like giving you like what he's got and like really deserving like a chance to go over. And relatively speaking, Nakazawa has been a part time figure uh, for AEW. I mean that's that's kind of the truth here. So it's like just like you said, just it didn't make sense for Nakazawa to go over here. We've been saying for weeks to get Sean Dean a win. This is the perfect opportunity. Um, so, you know, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> uh, well, the next match. I'm frustrated with that one. I'm yeah, frustrated with that one. Really. It was very frustrating for sure. I, I wish they would have put him over Sean Dean. Definitely. Uh, there is a indie show. Uh, I forget what it's called, but a lot of the talent that you've been seeing on dark is going to be in this indie show. Uh, I think Sean Dean actually tweeted it out. Uh, you know, you got Lee Johnson in there. You got Sean Dean, Brady Pierce, a couple other guys are going to be doing this indie show. I don't know what the promotion was. It was just some indie show. Um, the next match was actually really good. Uh, Scorpio Sky versus Serpentico. Um, Scorpio Sky coming out with a new video package. He's not running that SEU one. The new song uh, was awesome. I, you know, he's got the big pyro. He's got a new, uh, you know, entrance. His little pose and everything looks great, man. It, it, it seems like they're really going to put the time and effort and make him a single star. Um, I mean, I think... Him going right up the list and instead of going the Cody TNT title route, I think he needs to go up and have a John Moxley uh, face off further down the line once they get everybody back in uh, back in business. But this match was it was really good, man. Serpentico looked great, really good offense. I love his look, the streamer thing that he does. I think it's really cool. And once it's in front of a crowd, I think that looks awesome. Um, 
you know, a, a lot of great offense from both of them. This was a great, like, long match for Serpentico. This really gave him a little shine. Uh, you know, you had that TKO for the win. Um, what'd you have on this, man? Yeah, I love this match. I thought both looked great. It was started off as a nice, slow, technical match. Um, yeah, like you like you commented on before, uh, Scorpio Sky looking great here. Obviously, um, as you said, the new entrance and all that good stuff, really making that singles push now. Uh, this guy just gives off like the aura of the first AEW built guy to become the champion. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just it seems like that every you know going into this, everybody thought it would have been you know, Kenny Omega or Hangman Page, but like they're really slowly getting behind Sky, and like it's it's very noticeable. And he looked great here again, very technical at the start. Um, nice, you know, nice reversals from Serpentico. Um, the backbreaker kind of stops it, uh, you know, goes into some more technical wrestling. Serpentico comes back and starts dominating from the outside, bringing it inside again. That Sky comes back to take it and advantage and Serpentico comes back to take advantage. Like I said, it was just a nice back and forth. Um, and that's kind of the notes I've written. Like you said earlier, uh, they gave it time to breathe and they gave time to put on a good performance from both guys. Scorpio's guy, obviously, I uh, was going to take the win the whole time here, uh, but this is the best I've seen Serpentico look. Um, but uh, TKO, just like you said, one, two, three, um, and that's what we got there. Hell yeah, yeah, I really do think the homegrown uh, Scorpio Sky would be a great um, world title holder. Him or, I mean, Paige would be nice too. He was the first... Um, AW talent to go against Jericho for the title, so him coming back around and actually winning that. I mean, he he's a tag champ now, so was Scorpio Sky, so they both have, uh, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, backing up uh, on their name, like they have um, stature in this company for sure. Uh, both, you know, tag team title holders. Um, I don't know. I I want to get into uh, more of that later because I have a big storyline uh <laughs> to pitch to you um but our last match was uh brandon cutler and peter avalon with uh leva bates uh coming out versus the dark order it's nice to see um Stu grayson and evil uno back in action man they were undefeated before they left and obviously going against brandon cutler and peter avalon they are gonna stay undefeated um Dude, Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon are looking incredible now. I think they are a great tag team. This match was really good. I mean, obviously, Stu Grayson and Evil Uno getting the win here. Stu Grayson looking like a fucking monster, which during Dynamite, he did the same thing. It was a great showing for Stu Grayson. Um, looks like he, they both came back really hungry uh, to get back in the ring. Um, this storyline were... Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon keep losing. Obviously, is going to end in a Brandon Cutler versus Peter Avalon match. Um, and I don't know who I want to go over. They both look awesome now. Like, I root for them. It's kind of weird. Like, I like... <laughs> it's like the ultimate loser. They have the ultimate sympathy. Um, so, what do you have on this? Yeah, man. I thought this was a really good match. Um like you said, I'm a huge fan of Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon, too. I've been saying for weeks exactly what you just said, that we're eventually going to get the showdown of the ultimate losers on AEW. 
it, it is going to suck that one of them has to go over the other when that eventually happens, but I don't see this. It's either going to be that or they're going to kind of give them like a, a super sympathy fluke win that like just starts this awesome run. You know what I'm saying? Um, similar to like you were talking about earlier with uh, at the time, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, um, who I know you want to see over here in AEW, but they kind of did that thing with them where they ended, you know, the losing streak with like a miraculous title win. So, Maybe you see something fluky like that happen, but I think more likely you're going to see them go at each other. Um, you alluded to Stu Grayson looking all kinds of awesome in this match, and you're totally right. Uh, this match obviously meant to put over Dark Order before their match Wednesday at Fighter Fest Night 2, um, and it did just that. Like you said, Grayson looked awesome here. He is deceptively agile and deceptively quick and deceptively nimble for you know a guy who he may not be the biggest guy but i'll tell you what his aura makes him seem a lot bigger than he is maybe it's the beard and the tattoos i don't know um but he looked great here evil uno like you said looked very very hungry as well um you know i love the dark order i've been saying that for several months here that i've always been a big fan of the dark order so I'd like to see what they can do if given a chance uh, in the tag division. Obviously, their storyline's a little muddled right now because they're kind of doing the everybody moves as one through this exalted one storyline, and there doesn't seem to be like Dark Order doing like ancillary stuff outside of what Brody Lee is doing. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, I used to, yeah, like you said, this match meant to put over Dark Order. They're taking the win here, uh, moving into Fighter Fest Night 2. Yeah, it, um, I see. I'm one of those people that I like the old Dark Order. I liked when it was just, you know, a couple of the they had the Beaver Boys on their team, obviously. But I missed the Creeper uh, throne that Evil Uno used to sit on. And this might just be a COVID thing. Why they they're not doing that big, big thing? And you know, they kind of had the. But I think Brody Lee also kind of changed this more into like a business style of order cult thing. I, I don't know. I, it's cool. I like it. I like Brody Lee, but I miss like the weird, creepy, spooky perverts. <laughs> As what uh, the best friends called them. I just, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Do they, no, they look like a post-apocalyptic um, fist of the North Star villain. I don't know if you know what that is, but it, it was a, like a road warrior meets Bruce Lee was the anime. <laughs> um and it was just that's what it kind of reminds me of like a uh you know a mad max type feel villain is what i thought of the dark order before uh they kind of got this businessman uh vince mcmahon spinoff of uh brody lee which I, I still like don't get me wrong i just liked the other version just a little bit better not by much um do you have anything else on what i said or oh, do you want me to head yeah in? yeah yeah i know what you're saying man um about that but i think it, you know it makes sense from a storyline perspective because you know all the while that they were building up the uh revelation of who the exalted one was they were saying that he was unhappy and that you're going to hate when he comes and that things are going to change so it makes sense that things kind of adjusted from that but i did love the original incarnation of dark order i thought it was a sweet visual concept i thought they played it very very well they were more mysterious um now not only are they business like it seems like the intentions are very 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 clear for Brody lee and there was definitely an aura of mystery prior to Brody lee you know and they did play with that with who was the exalted one obviously but they just did it like with how cryptically they spoke when giving promos um 
you know, obviously the hiding of everyone's face except for Stu Grayson, I thought was like a very cool, mysterious thing. And now like Dark Order members are becoming like, you know who they are. You know what I'm saying? Like you have the prior knowledge of who these people are. Um, which takes away that element of mystery as well. So I, I do hear what you're saying. Um, I wonder where they go with this. Um, like I said, they seem to be moving together and not doing like many arms of the Dark Order trying to infiltrate like all of AEW, which I think, in my opinion, would be like a really cool way to explore the Dark Order. But uh, that remains to be seen if they do anything like that. Um, you know, maybe one day they take over all of AEW. And Cody has to save AEW from the Dark Order. <laughs> I guess that could happen. Yeah, you're. <laughs> that's a. Long... You would love that. <laughs> Cody, the uh, the big savior of uh, the whole entire gang. Um, I don't think uh, Cody's going to be the savior of anything soon. I, I think his slow burn heel turn is on its way, or his uh, his fake heel turn to try to make this like kind of new four horsemen thing, which I don't know exactly what happened. Uh, but before we get into Fighter Fest, um, let's get right into the official homework of the week. All right, guys. Uh, the homework for the week, uh, my homework, is uh, an, an Adam Cole versus Hangman Adam Page uh, match. It's uh, Ring of Honor. Uh, it was a nice little match before either of them were big and famous like they are now, uh, kind of like their hot streak. Um, a nice little match. So that's it. Uh, Adam Cole versus Hangman Adam Page, ROH. Uh, what do you got, buddy? Yes, I am going deep into the vaults of last year. Orange Cassidy versus Gentleman Jarvis from Wrestle Circus Encore. You can find this match online at YouTube. I'll post a link on my Twitter orange zackety uh this is from may 12th of last year a super super fun match i'm not going to get into the specifics of the match uh, because i don't want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen it but just a really really fun match um, that's all i'll say about it quintessential orange cassidy on display here um gentleman jervis plays up so well with the orange cassidy character so a must watch for anybody who has not seen that again that's orange cassidy versus gentleman jarvis at Wrestle Circus Encore from last year. And I, again, I will post a link on my Twitter for that. Yeah, I will also uh, post a, a link on the 100% Elite official uh, Twitter page um, for both of these. I'll retweet yours and you can find them there also. Uh, so let's get right into Fighter Fest Part 2. Um, first match being Private Party and Matt Hardy versus the Tag Champs. Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page. Um, this match was actually really fun, man. Uh, you know, a couple little spots from Private Party that were a little off, but a big step up from last week's uh, f uh, match. I mean, not nearly as many mess ups. Uh, Private Party looking a lot smoother. Hangman coming in real hot, uh, ready to, you know, kick their asses, as he would say. Um, Dude, the springboard from uh, uh, Isaiah Cassidy, man, he, he springboarded over the top rope and hit the middle rope into a flip into Hangman uh, outside of the ring was just, I mean, it, it was so cool. It was very uh, different. I've never seen that uh, that work there. Um, Kenny and Hangman really working well like they always do, uh, pretty brutal spots. 
you know, a couple times during this match, I was actually thinking Private Party might actually win. Um, you know, there's a lot of false finishes uh, like they normally do. Um, but that sling blade into that backbreaker is is growing on me, man. Isaiah Cassidy looks awesome. The big shooting star press that uh, Mark Quinn pulls out. Um, I'd like to see Matt Hardy uh, kind of gift the leg drop uh, to a, one of them. You know what I mean? Uh, or maybe Isaiah or no Mark Quinn turning that shooting star press into a leg drop. So he'll do the big shooting star press and he'll end up in a leg drop position. I've seen it on a couple guys. Nobody's really, uh, you know, had that much height when they pull off this shooting star press. So maybe he could, he could pull that out and it would look really dope. Um, so Kenny and, um, Hangman ended up uh, pulling out the win. Last call for the win. That last call is a brutal tag team move. I really love it. Um, so what do you have on this match, man? Yeah, man, this match was great. Um, you kind of hit all the cool notes this match. Um, so, you know, I'll kind of leave that where it lies. One cool spot that I really liked um, is when Omega kind of hits his forearm and then he throws Mark Quinn in to Hangman who gives him this, like, brutal-looking German suplex. Like, that was a really cool move. Um, they are definitely a super cohesive tag team. Like, it's interesting. Um, they're teasing the friction, obviously. Um, I'm kind of leaning more towards your theory that Hangman becomes the fourth member of the supposed new Era 4 Horsemen. Um, but, you know, interestingly, the uh, you know, the BTE, actually, that played last week, um, Hangman and, and the Bucks were kind of like, yeah, cool, at the end of it, you know, squash their beef, seemingly, so... Um, it'll be interesting to see where this uh, storyline heads out. So, um, otherwise, like you said, they look like a really great tag team. They hit some devastating moves. The last call, obviously, being a devastating finisher. Uh, you know, and these two are two of the best singles competitors that there are. You know what I'm saying? Like, it makes sense that they would be a great tag team. You know, it's, they're not. They're they're familiar with themselves, are familiar with each other rather. Um, they know what each other's strengths are, what each other's weaknesses are, and they do complement each other really, really well as far as stylistic, stylistically speaking. So I'm a big fan of the team. I know that inevitably that it will come to an end, um, and I'm kind of on the edge of my seat waiting to see how this is going to end, you know? Um, the end of that BTE, that seemed like they squashed it to you? It seemed like to me him saying, look, I love you guys, and I'll continue to do the BTE segments, but I don't like you. I don't like you guys. Basically saying, I'll beat your asses if you get in my way, is what I took off of it. Um, I guess I meant I meant squash, like where his allegiances lie. I'm sorry. You're right. You're totally right. I think he's telling like, me, like, I'm like, not part of the elite. I'm not in this. I'll do this show uh, because I love you guys, but I don't like you guys, and I'm not in the, I'm not in the elite anymore, and... I mean, technically, the elite is just the Young Bucks and Kenny. That's the elite. Um, and kind of, you know, Cody and uh, Hangman are kind of like the off branches of maybe they can be in the elite. Maybe they could be, you know what I mean? It's not like the inner circle where it's definitively uh, those people. I think those are kind of off branch people. And who knows? You might be right. I might be thinking too much into it. Um uh, but to me, it makes sense. I mean, he's getting all buddy-buddy with FTR, and they're really big on the Four Horsemen. Uh, did you see um, Ric Flair said, I'm down with it. Make it a thing. Let's bring back the Four Horsemen. 
you know, there can never really be an actual four horsemen like that, but I think a stable that's kind of, uh, you know, run by, uh, run by, uh, Atalia and Arn, uh, maybe even both of them. Uh, I have a big storyline to pitch you after we get through, uh, dark, or we can go into it now. It's up to you. <laughs> it's kind of a long, uh, drawn out thing, but I, I think there's big, uh, big, um, big things in the work, big storylines going to be happening. Um, but this match was great. Uh, you also had that big power bomb, uh, to mark on to, uh, Cassidy, Mark Quinn, right on to Isaiah Cassidy. So it, it was an awesome match. Um, but we can get into this Lance Archer match next because uh, I kind of have a, I don't know. I think it was great, and I think it was awesome. Like Lance Archer coming out, um, throwing Sunny Kiss out to Joey, kind of making it personal. Uh, Joey Janela kind of, you know, I mean, they were shoot beating the shit out of each other. Uh, you know, Lance Archer hitting out all these moves. He kind of has this weird gimmick, though, because... If you really look into his person, he's supposed to be this dominating nightmare of a person um, who just runs through people. But yet he has the time to put on his sparkly pants and uh, get his red weave put in and <laughs> and tie up his uh, beard. And like just all these little things that like make it seem like, well, I mean, what did you actually do before you came out? Hair and makeup? Uh, <laughs> um I, I do like the shoulder charge, uh, you know, and then that big blackout through the table and rolled back in for the pin. One, two, three. Uh, Joey really getting some good offense here. But what do you have on this? Yeah, you know, I thought that Joey got an inordinate amount of offense in. Um, I... I didn't think Lance Archer looked too, too dominant in this match, actually. I can't remember if I texted you about that. I was definitely thinking about it and thinking about texting you. But um, it was um, it was strange, to say the least, in my opinion. Obviously, I know you, know, you want to avoid squashes as much as you can in a quote-unquote pay-per-view style event. Um, but I'm just, I don't know where they go with the Lance Archer character here. Obviously, he gets the win here. Again, he doesn't look dominant. He definitely looks like he can be beaten. He has been beaten by Cody, and his his weaknesses seem to have been quote unquote exploited. I don't know what's going to happen with him here. I don't I, I don't know where they go with this character. Maybe um maybe you can shed some light on that. Maybe you have some ideas on what they do with him here. But uh, Joey Janela, with that said, did look great. He did, you know, he did his job. He hit some awesome moves. Um, you know, so cats off to him for that. I thought it was one of the uh, best matches he's had in a long time, actually, even in the even in the loss. But uh, it, it just it's weird that it comes at the expense of someone who's supposed to be a dominant badass, you know? Yeah, I don't know where they go with uh, Lance, to be honest. I mean, it just seems like they've kind of uh, backed themselves up into a like a booking corner because now like I don't I just don't know where they go storyline wise i mean i guess he beat joey janela which he hasn't really been like a big top guy he's had some great matches with some great people uh you know john moxley kenny omega we've named it a million times but kind of looks like they're booking him into a tag um with sunny kiss or maybe just a team to where they'll both come out and valet with each other and then do tag matches if need be but 
I don't know. Lance Archer, I think, uh, for this match, I mean, it looked great, but to me, Joey got way too much offense um, on him and kind of didn't make him look as big as he should. Um, I just hope this doesn't happen to a Wardlow. Uh, you know, Wardlow still looking like a monster, so I, I'd like to keep him that way. At least we, you know, I'd just like to keep Wardlow, uh, just, you know, keep him dominant and keep him uh, looking like a monster. But anyways, next segment is uh, this Darby Allen promo. Uh, you know, he's still doing this extreme Darby shit, even though he's not cleared to wrestle on uh, on Dynamite. So he's doing a big coffin drop uh, at Travis Pastrana's uh, like playground. Um, you know, Travis Pastrana is cool. It kind of brings in another audience to this AEW thing. They're probably watching his his feed going, who is this Darby Allen guy? What is this coffin drop? Oh, he's a wrestler. Maybe I'll watch him, you know, on TV. Uh, you know, he did the same thing with Tony Hawk and stuff like that. I just think this is Darby's vacation. <laughs> he's going to hang out with all of his buddies. Um, I don't know. I can't wait for Darby to get back on TV. Uh, this might just be a way to keep him relevant because they don't have a real storyline to put him in. I think the next clear place to put him in is versus Brian Cage, uh, um, who we'll get into right after this. Do you got anything on this Darby promo? or? Um, no. I mean, you pretty much hit all the notes on this. Um, it didn't do a good job, although it does do a good job of keeping him relevant, like you alluded to, and I've been saying the past few weeks, especially in regards to Britt Baker, how their AEW is really good at keeping injured talent relevant. Um, you know, I just don't get, though, what, what they were trying to accomplish by this segment. You know, like, he did a really cool, like, big, big, long coffin drop. But, like, it, it just uh, it didn't seem to, like, really have too much of a purpose. Uh, maybe other than, like you said, to maybe gain a new uh, demographic. I'm not sure. So, uh, though I like seeing him on TV still and him getting airtime, um, I guess I would have liked to see more purpose behind it, you know, maybe more into his backstory or more into him, you know, why we should care about him, you know? Yeah, that, that makes sense for sure. Um, so this next segment was uh, Taz's promo with, uh, with Brian Cage. Brian Cage, shirt off this time, making himself look like a monster. He didn't look like an average, uh, average guy there. Uh, Taz, you know, uh, bringing out this velvet bag, and in that velvet bag was the – FTW title. Um, uh, this was a big Taz gimmick, you know, him creating his own title, fuck the world. And uh, now he's giving it to Brian Cage. So another part of Taz's gimmick given to Brian Cage. Uh, now in all of his like roster uh, pictures and the new uh, picture for Fight for the Fallen, it's got Brian Cage with this FTW title. Uh, so I wonder if it's going to be a title versus title. Uh, thing at Fight for the Fallen, or if he's just gonna, you know, even though he loses to John Moxley, he's gonna keep this FTW title. Well, oh well, I don't need that title. This one's just as good. I don't, I don't know why they brought this title in now, um, unless it is gonna be a title versus title match, uh, which is, uh, uh, I don't know, iffy. It's iffy. I think it's cool. I liked, you know, when Taz was carrying around the FTW title. Um, but again, this is kind of building this Taz versus Mox thing. It, it, 
I want to see more Brian Cage. I want to hear him talk. I want to hear him sound like he's going to rip uh, John Moxley apart going into this match. Uh, you know, John Moxley being uh, quarantined for this COVID thing, so we haven't got a new, uh, you know, promo or any, you know, any talking points from Moxley. Uh, so hopefully next week that he's got some stuff down, uh, maybe put some stuff on dark, some video packages, put them on BTE, something to where we can hear John Moxley again before uh, this big match. Uh, so what do you got on this whole Taz thing? Uh, yeah, you know, Taz, there was a lot of speculation about this title, et cetera, et cetera, with WWE owning ECW content. Taz has owned the FTW belt since its inception. It was his idea. He paid for it, created it, owns the rights to it. So uh, it is interesting that they're kind of forcing this Taz stuff on Brian Cage and they're not letting him be like his own person, like with his own personality. I, I think that's rather strange. And that's kind of what I get out of this. It's like Taz just like keeps talking, keeps talking. It's like I understand they're trying to do the Paul Heyman type thing here, but it just <sighs> Taz is just not a wordsmith the way that Paul Heyman is. Um, he's, you know, a very straightforward, very rough around the edges kind of guy. He's not eloquent by any means. Um, and that's fine. That's his character. But uh, just kind of bestowing that upon a wrestler and not letting them find their own footing and their own personality, I think, is really, really strange, um, especially since Brian Cage came in, you know, being fairly well known and you know he's got the physique to make you think that he's going to be an ass kicker and i just i want to like you said i want to see that more out of him i want him to open his mouth and say you know like you said i'm going to rip you to pieces i don't need taz telling me that so um that's kind of what i got for this one yeah it's it's definitely weird uh but let's get into the uh the fucking car crash the, the the one of the best things i've ever seen in wrestling uh this lucha bros and butcher and the blade versus the young bucks and ftr um i think a lot of these things were shoot fucking beating the shit out of each other uh it looked like pentagon jr was really pissed off and overhand smacked dax up i mean a bunch chopped the fuck out of him kicked him Everything was stiff, like stiff as fuck, man. The Lucha Bros looked incredible here. FTR looked incredible here. Young Bucks looked incredible. Hell, even the Butcher and the Blade looked great here. Um, it was just awesome. They they beat the shit out of each other. These these moves were amazing. The tag spots were, you know, they were working with the Young Bucks, uh, getting these, you know, signature moves off. Uh, you know, some of the the tag team moves that they normally do, you know, the Shadow Machine, um, the Goodnight Express, or whatever it's called. Um, but the Lucha, the Lucha Bros and Butcher and the Blade really worked. Uh, I mean, they just outworked them, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Matt kicking Dax in the face, kind of showing that uh, that spot like, oh, I, you know, I didn't mean to. Uh, and then the Lucha Bros hitting the uh, Lucha Bros driver for the one, two, three on uh, the big ultimate team of FTR and the Young Bucks losing to the Butcher and the Blade and Lucha Bros. Um, kind of setting up this fight for the Fallen match with Lucha Bros versus FTR. I'm thinking it's going to be a fucking 
uh, incredible match because there's obviously shoot tension uh, between both of these teams. Uh, what'd you have on this match, man? Awesome, awesome freaking match, dude. I loved this match. There were so many cool spots. We were texting each other during this match. Everybody came out looking great, as you alluded to earlier. Every team got their chance to shine, hit some cool offense. The teams, both teams surprisingly worked very, very well together. Um, but the chemistry amongst the natural teams, as in your FTR, your Lucha Bros, your Butcher and Blade, and Young Bucks, like you said earlier, all looked amazing together. Um, very clearly, this match was, you know, in addition to being an awesome car crash, like you said, was obviously meant at the end to create dissension between uh, FTR and the Young Bucks, obviously eventually leading to their showdown, which inevitably will be awesome. Um, I hope you get this FTR thing. Um, although I do want to see, like I'm saying with Darby Allen, I do want to see more of their personality come through. I do want to see more of, you know, why are they here? You know, they, they do cast, like you said, um, they do great interviews, but they're not giving them that time on TV to tell their story. You know what I'm saying? They've given them a couple promos here and there, but we really, really need to get deep into their character. They had that nice sit down interview, uh, you know, the week after they came, which was great, but we really haven't seen anything like that since then. Um, you know, but that's, that can be a discussion for another day unless you want to have it. But otherwise, you know, the match, like you said, was awesome. Definitely worth going back and seeing again. Um, if you haven't watched it yet, definitely go watch for a first time. But again, if you've watched it, watched it again, because there's a lot of cool things, um, to, you know, to be seen. So uh, you hit all the important notes on the match. Again, like you said, after, uh, you know, an accidental kick from Matt Jackson to Dax, Luch Bros hit that driver and got the one, two, three there, um, which was not surprising to me in the least. Yeah, I mean, it, it was great. Did you see the BTE segment that they had on this? Um I actually have it, and I'm going to play it uh, on this podcast. Uh, you can. I just wanted to talk about the match before I played it, but this was another kind of sit-down between the Young Bucks and FTR. Um, it was on BTE's uh, YouTube page instead of uh, All Elite Wrestling, which I don't know why they put it there instead of on the other page, but uh, there is a segment in this promo where the Lucha Bros <laughs> talk in Spanish, and you won't know what they say unless you go watch the video. So here it is. Oh, our relationship with FTR is a bit complicated. I wouldn't say we have much of a relationship with the Young Bucks at all. Um, we obviously know who they are. They know who we are. We've known about each other for a, a while now. Oh, my God! Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler! FTR! When FTR first showed up, yeah, uh, I was a little surprised. They had our back. Well, we appreciate the sentiment. We also couldn't help but notice that you two sort of failed to properly introduce yourselves to us. That's, that's, that's okay, that's okay. We're the Young Bucks. We've been carrying tag team wrestling solely on our backs for the past decade and a half. We're the best tag team in AEW. It's so nice to meet you. Finally. Oh, Butcher. The FDR is taking it over. Wheeler and Hardwood. What is this? What the hell's going on here? Everybody seems to think that they or us are the best tag team in the world. Nick and I have seen it our entire career. FTR is greater than the Young Bucks. It's like it's done yeah. like a stupid math equation and we always roll our eyes and laugh. We have no doubts in our minds that we are 
untouchable when it comes to tag team wrestling. Here comes FTR. All four teams teeing off on one another. We will save the Young Bucks every time we have to, every time they get themselves in too deep. When we finally step in the ring with these guys, I want them to know that we made sure they were 100% and we ended them. Nobody's done what we've done in the ring and nobody's done what we've done outside of the ring. And that, that includes FTR. Congratulations, you graduated from the kiddie table. But now you eat with the big boys. When it comes to FTR, y'all bit off a little more than you can chew. As far as FTR and uh, the Young Bucks are concerned, I, I think there's respect. I think maybe there's also uh, a little bit of... Uh, it's professional uh, jealousy. Yeah, you could say I that. Would call it. Because we talk heavy, we hit hard, and we are the absolute best tag team on this planet. They preach that their style of wrestling is the best wrestling. We think our style's the best in wrestling. FTR, very well documented, they're more of a throwback type team. And they do a lot of things that are base things in tag team wrestling. When you look at the Young Bucks, they're the complete polar opposite. Well, there might not be a lot of stylistic respect between these two teams. There is the self-respect as competitors. You got two very bright teams, two very seasoned teams, two very talented teams. And they both know that the other didn't get there by accident. Yeah, I guess I respect the Young Bucks as athletes. I respect the spotlight they put on the tag team division here in AEW, but that's as far as it goes. We all know that somewhere down the line, we gotta know who's the better team. That's not for now. What's for now is for them to leave Fighter Fest with a win. We're challenging you to an eight-man tag at Fighter Fest. FTR and the Young Bucks versus the Butcher and the Blade and our partners who have no fear. Pentagon Jr. Ray Phoenix returning to AEW, and now things are breaking down between the Lucha Bros and FTR. It's interesting if, if you think about why they all agreed to this match. We're businessmen, so if teaming with them and proving a point against a couple of guys that want to step up and put their nose in our business, then that's what we'll do. The Butcher and Blade and the Lucha Brothers, I feel like the reason why they want to get involved with the four of us is just to try to make a name for themselves. If we come out on top, your golden boys are gone. I really can't see any team ever in an eight-man tag match defeating the Bucks or defeating FTR. Don't sleep on the adversaries. Butcher and Blade, they're just big, rugged, nasty, athletic guys. I think the easiest way to put it is iron sharpens iron. Where the Lucha Brothers are speed and power combined, they bring in so many different elements from fast-paced footwork to high-flying offense. La misma de todas las noches. Ser los mejores cada, cada noche, cada lucha. Y demostrarle al mundo y a nuestros contrincantes quienes somos. If you were to pair up two teams that complement each other so well, I don't know that you could do better than Butcher and Blade and Lucha Brothers. These FTR guys, they've got our back. I don't know what that relationship exactly looks like, but for one night, I can tell you that the four of us are gonna get together and we're gonna kick some ass. At Fighter Fest, FTR and the Young Bucks could implode. Would there be peace in the valley between those two teams? You'd like to think so for the sake of the match, but uh, I wouldn't want to bet my hat on it. So um, with this 
promo segment here. It was on BTE, so a couple of people actually missed this. Um, you know, I don't know if you've seen it yet or anything, but uh, it kind of alludes to wh- why they're here, but not really. So I, I do get what you're saying. Um, I would like more promo time from them. I know they're like, we're here because this has the best tag division, but they're also still telling people that they're on this handshake agreement and that there is no contract signed uh, still, still now after they've been on Dynamite. I mean, Tony Khan's really, you know, giving these guys some leeway. And they also talked about how after that Jim Cornette podcast, them walking into the locker room and like really getting some heat over that podcast. So I was right. And they were being dicks <laughs> because nobody fucking likes Jim Cornette. Um, uh, but anyways, but uh, you know, so the next segment here was uh big swole, uh, kind of getting, uh, suspended for kidnapping uh Britt Baker um it's kind of actually nice uh, it's kind of nice to see that stuff like that doesn't go unnoticed so like even a a little segment like where she drives away and dumps her in the dumpster uh, she actually gets in trouble for it you know on WWE's program people can drive away in a fucking ambulance and beat the shit out of people and uh kill people in a car and they never get in trouble <laughs> like it just doesn't it just doesn't happen they don't get suspended it seems like the only time they ever suspend people is if they like punch a ref in the face or you know do something really dastardly i guess uh but i've never really heard and le- i mean unless you have something that can tell me otherwise i've never really seen somebody getting suspended unless you got something on this yeah, you've seen some wacky shit over the years in WWE, and it's kind of like, you know, it seems that promotions sometimes make up the rules as they go, you know, only to serve the purpose of a storyline, which to me as a fan is like, I'm totally fine with. I don't, you know, I don't I don't care one way or the other, you know, why somebody's suspended or if they are. I think it adds to the storyline, and therefore, you know, I'm interested in it. So um, really cool, effective segment here. Like I said, keeping Big Swole in the ring looking great like she did on Dark obviously doing all these little Britt Baker cameos uh, throughout dark and throughout uh, the Wednesdays, whether it be dynamites or fighter fest or fight for the fallen or whatever is going on on a Wednesday. Um, keeping her relevant is great. Um, so I'm a big fan of it, but it does move us right on into the Nyla Rose uh, versus Kenzie page and Kylan King match. what do you think about this one? Um, I kind of hated this spot. I think they took two indie girls that, have actually had somewhat good uh, spot. Well, Kenzie Page didn't really have that good of a showing, but Kylan King is, you know, has been kind of moving up in this these dark matches. I mean, she had a really good match with Christy Janes, which uh, Janes barely went over there. Um, she's had some good matches with other people. I just think Nyla Rose taking out two of these girls um, at once. I mean, it shows her dominance and it shows uh, that she can really, you know mess people up but then it makes me think if it, it just makes me think these girls are never going to get out of that spot ever this kylan king girl is actually great she deserves a good spot but now her getting squashed in a handicap match it just i don't know i don't know why i don't like it i just don't like it but 
you know, Nyla Rose coming out and also talking about having a manager. Nyla Rose can talk. We've heard her cut great promos. Like, what is a manager going to do for her? It doesn't make sense. I guess Cody doesn't really have Arn let him talk for him. And he's just more of like a coach and gives him pointers and has got somebody by his side at all times. So I guess maybe that's the the way that they're moving here. I don't know. What do you have? Yeah, I'm interested to see what they'll do with this manager thing as well. I think she's such a dominant person and like she's not terrible on the mic. Her voice, like I've said, is that of nightmares. I would be very scared to hear that in my dreams. Um, this was... I understand why you hated it, but I thought this was effective. Obviously, one goal in mind here was to make Nyla Rose look dominant. Um, and that's what they did. And, you know, it doesn't hurt two people who don't really have, I'd say, like momentum or following at this point. To me, it, it doesn't really hurt what they're doing on Dark for what happens at Fighter Fest. You know, was, there's no expectations for there to be like a monumental performance while obviously being squashed. You know what I'm saying? Um, so. Well, I don't think it really damages Kylan King. Um, I know that you're kind of worried about here. The manager thing, though, to get back to that's very weird to me. Um, you know, you would almost think that with all the legendary males that they've been bringing in, maybe they're going to bring in a legendary female here. I don't know. Maybe Awesome Kong comes back. Um, I don't know if she's finished shooting Glow or not, but maybe she comes back as kind of like, you know, a former dominant massive female. You know what I'm saying? Um so we'll see how this works out here. Who would you like to see as our manager, actually? Um, I was actually thinking of somebody who appeared in one of the Battle Royales. Um, uh, what was her name? Was it Jazz? Is that her name? Oh, Jazz was a beast. Yes, yes. yes. Jazz is... I remember Jazz from old WWF days. I know you do, too. She was a monster. Like, yeah. in the era where they were doing, like, Divas wrestling, like, she was, like, the true badass, like, ass kicker. Yeah, somebody like that, or maybe, um, I just don't think Awesome, see, Awesome Kong is one of those people who needed somebody to talk for her, because she can't cut promos, um, and she's still doing the glow thing, and kind of, I don't know if she's stepping back from wrestling, but I don't think she's, I don't really think she's going to come back, man, that's one thing I, I don't think she's going to wrestle again, um, but her getting this manager, um, I don't know, dude. I th- this big announcement from Nyla Rose, I just thought it was going to be something better than her hinting at a manager, not even telling us who it was. So it makes me think they don't even have anybody lined up yet. Or maybe maybe they do. Maybe they're smarter than that. I mean, obviously, I've been wrong about most of the things that I talk about. But um, uh, they could have just used this spot on a pay-per-view uh, to have an actual woman's match with with a meaningful storyline this just makes me think they threw this together just to have a woman segment and to put nyla back on tv i think she should have had a match with somebody a singles match that went a little bit longer that showed you know that she can really wrestle still but this was just her i don't know it it was just off for me it was just an off segment I, i don't know maybe i don't even really have a gripe to even say i just maybe it just wasn't for me but yeah i think you're scared of the inevitable of nyla rose eventually dethroning hikara shida again (laughs) which i do think will happen i think nyla will actually be 
be the first two-time champ uh, in AEW. I do think she will take the belt back off of Sheeta. I think that from a storyline perspective, I think that makes a ton of sense. Sheeta has gotten a lot of successful defenses in so far, and I think she'll continue to do so. I don't think they're going to wrestle right away. I think, you know, they'll wait for a little bit, obviously, to slow burn it. Um, but it's a nice little bait-and-switch tactic. You know, it's been used for a long time in the wrestling world, obviously. You know, plug something as being a big deal, comes on, you get expectations. It's not as big, big of a deal, but you now are built in for, like, tuning in next week to see who her manager might be. So I definitely understand why they did it this way. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I, I find it to be effective, as I said earlier, so... Um, in any case, we, we move on from here, actually, to a really interesting segment where we see Colt Cabana getting medical attention. He has this big, massive, like, grape-looking purple and blue and black bruise all over his ribs. Um, and you see, you know, the Exalted One come in and say, uh, you know, things are going to be okay as long as you let the Dark Order have your back here. You know, we're going to show you that... We're going to take care of you, even though you're injured. We all kind of come together as a pack and protect our injured, which I thought is really good storytelling. How did you like this? I like this a lot, man. Um, I really thought, um, I mean, obviously that thing is real. You can tell by looking at it and, you know, he posted pictures. It's it's as real as it can get. He, um, I liked the part where Brody Lee was like, I need you to get up and I need you to wrestle. Uh, basically kind of like I kind of don't care that you're this injured. We'll take care of you, but you need to get out there. Um, which is kind of another Vince, uh, thing. You know what I mean? Uh, cause he's said that to a lot of people. Um, you know, I don't care if you're hurt and you're going to get out there and you're going to perform, uh, cause you have a, a limelight that needs to, uh, you know, I paid for what I paid for, you know, kind of thing that Vince kind of does to some of these people. And that's why there was a big gripe of, you know, people being hurt for years and never getting the downtime to actually uh, heal themselves uh, or, or work out some of the kinks that they've had and, you know, shoulders and stuff like that. So this was kind of a, a nice little jab, but also, like you said, a good storytelling point that's saying that the Dark Order will have their back. And in this match, they do, but they also give him a little shit. So we're going to get into this match, uh, Dark Order versus, and Cole Cabana versus... Uh, the SCU gang here. Um, I don't know how much longer SCU is going to stay uh, like a full-fledged team. I kind of hate that they keep throwing him into these matches with the SCU, even though he's supposed to be a singles competitor. Um, dude, Stu Grayson looked phenomenal here. Like I said earlier, in this match, he was the standout star, in my opinion. Uh, Brody Lee coming out right behind him. Uh, but if you could tell every time that Cole Cabana would hold that side and kind of, you know, understandably, uh, definitely sell that segment or that segment that, uh, that hurt side, they kind of were like, what are you doing? Uh, you know, fucking man up, get out there and fucking wrestle or tag one of us in, do your fucking job. Like they were on his ass. They really didn't give him any leeway. Um, and it was awesome. Uh, SCU still kind of looked good. Here, uh, obviously, Kazarian being the limelight, which was kind of weird. Um, I was thinking Sky was going to outshine both of them, but in my opinion, Kaz really showed uh, showed some some star power there. Uh, CD, um, you know, getting in his spots. I just, I'm just not a fan of CD, so it didn't really work for me. But Brody Lee looked 
giant in compared to the, this entire uh, segment. The, everybody in this, in the ring, outside of the ring, Brody Lee looked like a massive human, and it was really fucking cool. Um, Stu Grayson hitting that huge frog splash. He had like, uh, you know, Mark Quinn uh, pop here. He was just, he was out of there, man. He he looked awesome. Um, so what did you think about this match before we get to the end? I love this match, man. I thought, uh, I thought this match accomplished everything that it needed to. My, you know, you discussed, you know, this whole like SCU with Scorpio Sky thing. I thought what they did well here was like kind of let Sky fade into like SCU obscurity. You know, not the focal point. Like, you know, if they're gonna try to push him as a singles competitor, which they're obviously trying to do, letting him shine as like the man in this match would have been the wrong thing. So I'm totally kind of, I'm totally okay with how that played out uh we talked about Stu grayson from dark he looked like i said technical agile nimble like everything that you would want um in a performer like he definitely looked that way uh, with Brody lee kind of taking a back seat here and having his minions do his work and colt cabana being injured um Stu grayson was gonna have to be that guy for dark order that was kind of the workhorse and, and put the smash together so to speak um i thought the storytelling throughout this entire match, as you alluded to earlier, where Brody Lee, you know, Cole Cabana would look at Brody Lee on the outside, and instead of instead, the way I took it was instead of offering to tag in, he just pointed to "There's what you need to go do." He kind of didn't even give him an option. I don't know if you noticed that little intricacy there. He didn't really give him an option. He just said, "We've got your back. Just go do what you need to do." And they did have his back in the end. You know, obviously him tagging Colt Cabana having t- Colt Cabana tagged in at the end so he, he could pick up the victory here. And you could clearly tell by his face that that made him feel good. I thought just the storytelling was excellent throughout. Um, I'm a huge fan of this match. There was nothing notable, I would say, in this match as far as, like, you know, big wow, like, tag team maneuvers. Um, but an overall really strong match. The storytelling, though, is what put this match over the edge to me. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, I think it was really great, especially where... Uh, you know, Cole Cabana pinning uh, the guy who uh, brought him to the dance, essentially, with that revolution segment, them, him coming out to save SCU from the Dark Order, and now he's pinning uh, the leader of SCU uh, with the Dark Order. So it's it's a great storyline, like you said. Um, the one spot in this entire match that made me go, holy shit, was, um, you know, he gave cd this big boot and then gave kazarian this super kick uh right in a row it was just a really cool little you know you don't see the big spots like that from big guys very often you know in aw you do but um you know in any other place you don't see them being that that agile so it was a nice spot for Brody lee to get off some offense like that uh that was that was really it for me <laughs> um so going in to this next segment swole confronting Britt baker um, in her little uh, Rolls Royce, uh, as you will, um, you know her kind of in disguise, uh, getting into it with Rebel, throwing uh, that suspension in her face, and Rebel smacking Britt Baker in the nose. Um, her screaming, uh, which was kind of funny because she no sold the the one from Hikarashita where she actually broke her nose. Um, And she's posting Twitter pictures like she actually had to go get nose surgery or something. Um, 
So I don't know if she had to refix something that Shida did in the first place or if it was the pictures from Hikaru Shida breaking her nose the first time. But it, it's just really funny. They're really playing up this storyline. Um, I Like I've been saying, man, they need to have this uh, rebel girl fucking wrestle, man. Wrestle Big Swole and have Britt Baker screaming at her the whole time uh, before Britt Baker's actually ready to come wrestle because we're not going to get her wrestling for months it's not going to be weeks it, it maybe two more months before Britt baker is actually healed enough i don't think she's going to be ring ready for a while uh because of the the injuries that she sustained so um yeah what do you have on this man yeah man i'm a big fan of this segment like uh you know like we've said many times over here keeping people who are injured relevant is great um i thought this was obviously a great continuity and storyline uh, Big Swole obviously using COVID and having a mask on as part of her disguise to get in. I thought was really cool and played towards like some cultural relevancy. Um, you know, Britt Baker overselling, getting hit in the face with a piece of paper, I, I thought was hysterical. Um, a really good callback to exactly what you said, where she nose sold, getting her nose legitimately uh, torn up. Um, I thought it was a cool little segment, but yeah, yeah definitely uh, kept, kept progressing the storyline. We'll see if. Big Swole is indeed quote unquote suspended or if she continues to show up in this capacity or if they're going to discipline her more, who knows what will happen. So uh, in any case, uh, right after this, uh, we hit a commercial and then we move right into Chris Jericho versus freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. Now, you know, I've been hyped about this match for a long time and I've been calling for Orange Cassidy to go over in this match. And so I was really, really excited. That was I was watching this. Um, of course, Orange Cassidy coming out, doing freshly squeezed things, hands in the pocket, headbutts Jericho, ducks a few clotheslines, and hits his little dropkick. He always kind of does this initial, like, burst of energy, like, when you would think under normal circumstances, a dude with his hands in his pocket's going to get, like, his ass kicked right away. So, um, that's kind of the thing that always happens in his matches. Of course, this one, no different. Um, this whole match was a really, really great match. And, you know, I thought... While Orange Cassidy is obviously my favorite wrestler in AEW, you know, he was great here, but man, Jericho is great here also. He, you know, he was really, really awesome. He definitely kept this match going. Um, working with Orange Cassidy obviously is a little bit different and requires different match psychology. Obviously, you have your standard heel face um, dynamic going through this match. Um, you know, kind of going back and forth between Jericho, kind of getting the advantage sometimes with the help of Santana and Ortiz who were out there with him during this match and Orange Cassidy making the gutsy comeback. Um, but he he just works so differently and just, again, goes to show you how great Jericho is. He can work with anybody. He can do anything. Um, <clears throat> this match goes back and forth. A really, really good match. Um, unfortunately, at the end, uh, Jericho hits the... Uh, uh, Judas effect for the one, two, three on Orange Cassidy, but still, even in defeat, Orange Cassidy looked great. You know, he hits a lot of cool moves. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I don't. He hits that Michinoku driver, which I think is really impressive. Some Orange Cassidy does some bit moves for a small guy that's like pretty impressive. Um, I don't know what you think about that, but uh, he looked great here. I really, really wish he would have gone over. I didn't think Jericho needed this win at all. Um, I thought Orange Cassidy desperately needed this win, even though he came out looking great. Again, when you talk about it from a booking perspective, it's like, where do you go from here? 
um, with somebody like Orange Cassidy. He is looking great, but he just lost a high-profile match. So, you know, does he continue on, uh, you know, this trajectory and this feud with Jericho to either eventually win or, which I think would be funny, side note, if they eventually became partners and were just known as mimosas. You know, a bit of a little bit of the bubbly and a little bit of freshly squeezed orange Cassidy for the mimosas. What do you think about that? <laughs> that'd be that'd be a cool uh, tag team name for sure. <laughs> the mimosas. Um, I really liked that that spot where, he, you know, he does the normal uh, small kicks with his hands in his pocket and then surprise Jericho with that super kick. That was uh, definitely one of my favorite spots. But a big storyline miss on my opinion is where proud and powerful hit him with the orange juice i don't think should have put him out i think it should have juiced him back up like uh you know when the bad guys used to accidentally give uh popeye spinach and he'd get all powered up and beat the shit out of him they could have gone that way with uh orange cassidy here and they could have you know threw some orange juice in his face and it could have like like thanks guys and powered him up and he could you know that's why he could have uh you know you know what to put him over towards Jericho I really do agree with you on this I think Orange Cassidy should have pulled out the win here beating Jericho uh just in this match at least um I exactly like you said like what does Jericho gain from beating Orange Cassidy in this match he doesn't gain anything but it might be a uh, a best of to come this might need you know not be the last i mean because they push forward the segment where it was uh you know the best friends versus santana and ortiz so maybe we'll get that match uh and you'll have jericho and cassidy on the sidelines and then orange will probably refuel this match and maybe we'll get a a, a second match out of this you know maybe it'll brew a new storyline with all of them or maybe a trios match where, um, you know, SCU or SCU, dumb, stupid, um, <laughs> the inner circle uh, versus the best friends and Cassidy. I think that'd be a great, great little spot here. Um, not spot. A great segue storyline wise. I don't think this is the end. I really don't. Uh, but I think it was a missed uh, plot point here for that orange juice uh, to <laughs> power up Orange Cassidy. Um, like you said, that Michinoku driver was fucking awesome. Uh, Jericho. Jericho being the goat that he is, uh, just you know, countering uh, that stun dog millionaire into the walls was fucking cool, man. Uh, just the different ways that he pulls off um, that submission move is just, it always uh, amazes me the cool stuff that he comes up with. Uh, he did it in the Kenny Omega match, always pulling it out. But uh, he did it with Cody too. Cody, uh, you know, getting the the walls. That's how he, you know, tapped out. That's how he won, uh, or threw in the towel. Sorry, um, but yeah, I, I I still really liked this match. I just think the wrong person went over, and it it's maybe out of a selfish reason more than it is a storyline reason because I, I really do think that there's more to this than just this match. So. Um, yeah, with that being said, man, uh, do you want to get into uh, the uh, Z segment of the week? The official match of the week. So, the official 
uh, match of the week uh, on my end is actually Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, versus Sean Spears. Uh, we kind of talked about who whose match we had uh, this week, and yours was the eight-man tag, which I would have gone with too, but I think this showing on Dark for Brian Pillman Jr. was, was awesome, and I really love the storyline that... Uh, Sean Spears is about to be in with this black glove, and I like the way it's it's moving storyline-wise. I'm very, very interested uh, in all of this. His gear looked awesome, um, and Brian Pillman Jr.'s just whole look and, and entrance, it looked very professional, really awesome. So that was my match of the week. Uh, what do you got, Zach? As you mentioned, my match of the week is the eight-man tag match. Um, but real quick, I want to hit on what you said. I'm really glad that you picked that as your match of the week. I think it's important to remember that, like, you know, match of the week, segment of the week, it doesn't necessarily always have to involve, like, a five-star Meltzer classic. You know what I'm saying? Like, it can be, like, a cool showing for somebody who's, like, being introduced. It could advance storyline. It could have a combination of all these things. Um, you know, length doesn't necessarily dictate the quality of a match or a segment. So I'm really glad you picked the dark segment that was you know didn't have too much time to breathe but definitely was a super effective storyline everybody looked impressive and everybody came out looking better which i think is exactly what you want to accomplish when you're booking segments like this so um i'm glad you picked that segment again mine is the eight man tag match it was just a, a car crash in the best way possible from start to finish every team came out looking better um it hypes me up for the tag match next week, as you alluded to earlier, Lucha Bros versus FTR. Um, they work stiff in this match, like you said. They don't know each other. They didn't haven't really wrestled each other a lot in the past. And, you know, Lucha Bros being out, like, they didn't probably have too much time to get acquainted with each other outside of, like, tape that they might have watched on each other, you know. And both of those teams are, like, teams that definitely, like, are ass kickers who do not back down. Um, so I'm not surprised at all. Uh, um, next week's going to also be a car crash. So, um, go back, rewatch that eight man tag match. It's my match of the week. Yeah, man. I watched that eight man tag match, uh, three times now <laughs> because it's just so much in one, one match. I mean, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to digest. Um, but I also watched that Sean Spears, Brian Pillman jr. Uh, match, uh, a couple of times, I really, really enjoyed it, man. Uh, Sean Spears is one of my favorites. It's one of your favorites, too. We've discussed this a lot on this podcast. Um, and so this is the storyline I was um, going to pitch to you, really. This is my uh, my pitch of the week. <laughs> um, so I think this Four Horsemen, uh, obviously FTR being in that that talk. Uh, and we I keep touching on this but i think hangman is the obvious uh third member because they're obviously you know there's that little split apart uh where kenny poured out the beer so i'm thinking you get ftr enough wins and then you get them versus um versus king hangman and and kenny and and maybe they not that he loses on purpose but maybe puts them over uh, or doesn't stop them from doing something to Kenny uh, in a way to put them more on his team. Or maybe they drop the titles beforehand and Hangman comes in to help them out. It might seem a little bit better so they're not squashing the so they're not squashing the feud that is definitely going to happen between Hangman and, and Kenny Omega. Um, so maybe there's like an in-between title holders, uh, whoever, you know, picks up the win off of Kenny and... Uh, 
and Hangman maybe being the Young Bucks, um, who could definitely take the titles uh, off of Kenny and and Hangman because they're they're one of the teams that can do it for sure, and it'll further the feud between Matt and Hangman. Uh, and that, you know, the elite, uh, well, he's not part of the elite anymore, but so that would be the three, but then Sean Spears, man, with that black glove, obviously with Tolly uh, coming in and the way I think that he becomes that fourth member is, uh, him going for that TNT champion, uh, belt against Cody, uh, you know, their round three, if you will, or maybe is it round four? I think it's round three. Um, finally taking the title and instead of uh straight up taking the title um maybe this is where Arn turns on Cody turns on the roads once again um and you know Cody losing the belt and uh Tully and Arn both managing this new four horsemen and making this a big stable um with with gold behind it you know hangman could go after john moxley uh and ftr going after the gold uh you know with that big feud with the young bucks uh that's where i see this headed with hangman in their corner uh, so what do you got man on this pitched uh <laughs> storyline you know i really like that idea jeff and it's something that i tend to agree with you i think it's going to go down fairly similarly to uh, what you said, I think the eventual clash between FTR um, with Omega and Page uh, for the titles, I think Page just does the turn right there in the match, you know, and then you see the uh, the initiation, if you will, of the of the new four horsemen. Um, how Sean Spears gets into that, um, you know, we'll see. I think, yeah, he's probably the last member um, that will join, uh, you know, and, and I kind of agree with you on the Arn Anderson aspect too i think you'll see him turn on the roads again and eventually what you're going to see is the new four horsemen versus like the elite with kenny omega obviously uh and the young bucks and then cody as well and i think that'll be the first feud you see you'll see the elite you know kind of versus the new four horsemen for uh faction supremacy here so i think this is going to be really interesting for many many months potentially years to come with these storylines so um hopefully us as fans uh, kind of get what we really, really want here um, and get to be entertained by this for a long time here. Yeah, man, I like uh, I like that you like the way I think. Uh, so just, just announce uh, the dark matches for next week. Um, it's going to be Serpentico and Luther versus Brady Pierce and Pineapple Pete. Um, then they have Robert Anthony versus Ricky Starks, uh, which I think is going to be an awesome match. Uh, they have Diamante and Rochelle Rache Chanel versus uh, Brandy and Ali. They have Michael Naka, Naka, Nakazawa versus Marco Stunt. And then they have Jurassic Express versus Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon. Uh, they also have Brian Cage with the FDW title. FDW title versus Brian Pillman Jr. for the title. Like it's, it's already being... Uh, like he put on the line and I'm hoping Brian Cage actually lets Brian Pillman get just a little I mean obviously Brian Cage has been smashing people but Brian Pillman Jr. man needs to have like a little bit of an offense in this next match he really does um it it, it just I don't know I think he's got a bright future man he really does but 
Pineapple Pete and Brady Pierce going against Luther and Serpentico. So do you think Serpentico is going to get this win here? Um, it seems as good of a chance as ever. I hate that Luther will also get the win with this match, but uh, <laughs> yeah, Serpentico has looked great. Um, I think he definitely deserves a win here. Finally, um, it should be a really, really great dark next week. I don't see there being any chance that uh, Brian Cage loses this match, um, but uh, hopefully they let Pillman breathe a little bit in this match. Hopefully they don't squash him too soon. Yeah, I know he wants to start at the bottom. I know he wants to start at the bottom, but like. Like, let's not start him at that bottom, you know, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so with that being said, um, that's it from us, guys. You know where to find me at the official 100% Elite uh, podcast Twitter page at 100 Elite Pod. Um, you can find Zach. At Freshly Squeezed orange zackety on twitter that's o-r-a-n-g-e-z-a-c-i-t-y orange zackety you can find me there posted links to my match of the week um you know i'm trying to be more engaging so you know please obviously hit me up let me know what you think of anything and everything uh and i can't wait to talk to you awesome and you can find uh the song at the end at uh edge music it's my buddy eric's uh, he's got tons of great songs on there um so hit him up hit him up on twitch at edge 419 and go bug him on twitter at edge underscore 419 that'll be for it from us guys so uh we will see you guys on the next one See you, chumps and chumpets. So you can call me Legion, but we are many. You are one, we have plenty. You have some, you're taking this so serious, but I'm only doing this for fun. You're walking backwards while I run, met without, cause you're all done. Open my mouth as I erupt, regretting what you just begun. You're never stopping me, you're never stopping this. You never saw me coming, but you must acknowledge this. So I'll just bring the heat and leave them powerless to try to step to me, so maybe you should crawl a bit.